Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on a Thursday on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now is a guy I've known for a long time. It's my buddy Josh Sims, who once upon a time was just a, a local media type like me back in Albany, New York. And now here he is, Fox Sports NASCAR expert insider is a little bit of everything over there and uh we've got the nascar cup race coming up this weekend the championship race from phoenix and josh sims is with us now josh man what's up hey man it's good to see you good to be talking to you it's been a while but it's always good when we get to catch up brady i think the last time we saw each other in person was super bowl 50 probably panthers Panthers, Broncos, and San Francisco. So that's the last time we were actually in the same room as each other. Uh, things have grown for you big time since then. I didn't know you were a NASCAR guy even. Yeah, man. I uh, I got converted. I moved down to Charlotte in 2015, that same Super Bowl year. Uh, thought I brought good luck to the Panthers, and they've been bad ever since. So I was like, <laughs> let me jump ship and start talking some NASCAR. Uh, when I worked for the local Fox affiliate for six years here in Charlotte, and a big part of our coverage was covering NASCAR. And then I got the opportunity to join Fox Sports to cover it more in depth. So I jumped on board, and it's been great, man. Well, I'm going through the same metamorphosis as you, I guess. I'm being slowly converted into an auto racing fan, given that the station here is owned by Ken Squire. I kind of have no other choice. So uh, I didn't recall Phoenix being a big NASCAR hotbed. Is this going to become part of the uh, regular NASCAR rotation here more often at Phoenix? Yeah, it sounds like it. A couple of years ago, they switched it to the championship. It used to be Homestead. Now it's Phoenix. And uh, at, at least for now, they like the way that is. They like the setup. So this is the spot championship. They got a great track out there. I'm excited to get out there. I head out on Thursday. Um, but yeah, man, this is what it all comes down to. I mean, it's, it's the longest season of any of the major sports I could think about. They start in February, they end all the way in November. So these guys have been grinding all year to get to this point, but this is the big payoff for those four drivers that have a shot to win it all. Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex. It's gotta be a hard field to handicap here. Yeah, it's it's really difficult because like logically a lot of people would say this is the Kyle Larson year, right? Because he's won the most races. He's been so dominant, nine wins. Uh, he just went through another streak where he had won three straight races. He didn't win the last race at Martinsville, but he didn't really need to because he's booked his way through the championship weeks ago. Uh, so he just kind of stayed out of the fray to get through. But, I mean, you could say, and a lot of the, the betting favorites will have him as the favorite in this one, but Chase Elliott's the defending champion. I mean, he won this race a year ago. And, you know, of all those wins, you know, Kyle Larson had all year long. Chase Elliott was runner-up to him four times. He won two of his own races on road courses. So, you know, then you look at it, you're like, how could I not go against the defending champion? But then Martin Truex Jr. won this race in the spring. So then you're like, all right, MTJ's been in the championship. This is his fifth trip there. He's the grizzled veteran. And then it's Denny Hamlin, man. That guy's been as consistent without the amount of wins as Kyle Larson. It was him and Kyle Larson all season long going back and forth for the points lead. And, you know, he's won a couple of times at Phoenix. So it's really hard to pick the winner. Every time you think you want to pick one guy, there's another reason to pick another guy. There's no real, like, dark horses or surprise in this championship four. Like, you can be right picking any one of these four. In this championship four, Larson is the only driver to have never won at Phoenix, I believe. Does that put him at a disadvantage? Not really, because he's finished top five, five times at Phoenix, <laughs> you know? So, like, even though he hasn't won... Um, and he's the only guy that hasn't been in the championship four before either. 
I mean, it, it's hard to say that puts them at a disadvantage because he's raced there a bunch. He's ran in the top five a bunch, and he's been so dominant this year that, I mean, you almost throw that out the window because you're like, this dude's winning every other week. So how can I not believe <laughs> that he should be the favorite in this one? So, you know, like you might say he's at a disadvantage because he hasn't won, but that, you know, like he's been in the top five. He's run well there. He's won basically everywhere else. Like, I mean, you know, I wouldn't put that as a knock for Kyle Larson heading into this one. There were some tempers flaring last weekend at Martinsville. How does that carry over at all into this week? Yeah, that's the thing. For for Denny Hamlin, uh, obviously he was upset. He, you know, he got turned by Alex Bowman uh, towards the end of the race. Alex Bowman, a non-playoff driver. Denny Hamlin trying to book his way through to the championship four, which he basically already had. So for him to really get – he can be upset that he was turned at the end because, you know, you got a non-playoff driver. But Bowman wasn't trying to. He said in the post-race interviews a bunch of times he, he just got loose, you know, coming up off the turn. He wasn't trying to turn Denny, but it just happens, you know, and he's out there to go for wins anyway. You can't just yield it because, you know, like he's still trying to win money and, and, and you know, get that grandfather clock that he got to win. So, you know, Denny Hamlin had the right to be upset. What he did, you know, you talk to a lot of all the old NASCAR heads, what he did, you know, disrupting the victory burnout. That's a no, no, you just don't do that. Um, So, you know, people weren't happy with what he did there and he voiced his displeasure. But, you know, Denny's racing for a championship this weekend. So everyone says, you know, NASCAR drivers don't forget anything. He's not going to forget what happened, but he's not going to get payback when he's racing for a championship this weekend. There's too much at stake. Down the line, yeah, of course, maybe next season, you know, it'll crop back up and he'll have a chance to probably turn him, and he will. But it's not going to happen this weekend because there's too much on the line for Denny Hamlin. Fox Sports NASCAR analyst, insider, expert Josh Sims with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. We're going to have the championship race for you Sunday afternoon coming up from Phoenix right here on your race and station, WDEV. You know, I mentioned our station being owned by Ken Squire, but there's actually a couple of Vermont connections in NASCAR. My guy Rick Pigeon is on the uh, the pit crew for Chase Briscoe. So I'm a, I'm a Chase Briscoe fan right now. And uh, Steve Phelps is a Vermonter who's the president of NASCAR. Have you had any interaction, any inter- interactions with Steve Phelps? Yeah, I've had a chance to chat with Phelps. Great guy, man. When I first started with Fox Sports, I got a chance to go some one-on-one time with a lot of those guys, you know, Phelps and everybody. And they're just great, man. It's NASCAR is a cool sport because it's it's one of those sports where you get such great access. You know, it it's hard in any other sport, you know, being in Charlotte and covering the Carolina Panthers for so many years. It's hard to, you know, have a chance to talk to Cam Newton when he was the biggest thing in town, Christian McCaffrey or, you know, with the Hornets, Kemba Walker or anything like that. NASCAR basically, you know, like you get time to talk to all of these guys and and you'll be shocked at how accessible they are, you know, like that's the cool thing about it. So to be able to have a chance to talk with Phelps, you know, it was awesome. He's a great guy. And, you know, like to have the president take some time to talk back and forth with you. I'm like, you know, who am I, man? I'm just, you know, <laughs> I just started here with Fox sports, but you know, like that's the thing that makes the sport special stuff like that. Well, there is some good crossover between New England and Charlotte in a couple of ways. So I'm going to deviate from NASCAR and take yeah. you back to your uh, your general reporting uh, roots here. How much does Charlotte love Terry Rozier? Because that's the one guy I oh. wish the Celtics would have kept over the last couple of years. I really liked Rozier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they should have. You look at it, and in his first season here, he became a fan favorite because, you know, he's Mr. Clutch. Last year, I can't tell you how many game-winning shots he hit. He's just, you know put some stability in that backcourt, you know, like he turned out to be a better decision than keeping Kemba Walker. And that was such a 
hard decision for not only the fans to come to terms with, but for the organization because Kemba Walker is the greatest player in franchise history and earned a Supermax contract. And they let him walk because they they knew the medicals, they knew the knee, they knew it was going to be an issue, and they knew he was, you know, kind of past the his prime in a sense. And they made the deal for Terry Rozier. And I don't think anybody saw this Terry Rozier, the Terry Rozier that we've seen in Charlotte. But, I mean, they love the guy. It's panned out. He's, you know, such a great score for the team. But he's also a great leader. You know, like the head coach James Borrego talks so many times about he's he's the guy that's really, you know, solidified that backcourt, solidified that team. They turn to him for advice and everything like that. So Rozier has been huge for this organization. Got to get him healthy. He's been banged up to start this season, but it's a long year. And, you know, once he gets healthy and back out there, you know, he's going to be great in the backcourt with Lamelo. Rozier leaving town, Kemba's injury problems. Outside of Gordon Hayward's injury in Boston, I just blame Kyrie Irving for everything that's <laughs> happened to the Celtics. Like, when in doubt – Blame Kyrie at this point. Everybody blames Kyrie yeah. for everything, man. It's, it's an easy target, man. He is he is the guy to blame for all this stuff, right? You mentioned Cam Newton. I loved Cam when he was in Foxborough, and I was probably the, the number one driver of the Cam bandwagon. And Mac Jones has turned out to be good, better than I expected. The team is 4-4, four and four, but I really, really wanted Cam here. And part of the reason I loved Cam is because last year he was so accessible, so upfront, so honest, so giving with the media. And, you know, maybe he wooed me a little bit with all that stuff. Yeah. Was he always that guy or did he undergo some great Patriot way transformation? Here's the thing. So I and, and I talked to some people up there. I, I don't think I talked to you on the radio, but I talked to somebody when um Cam was getting signed up in New England and they were asking, you know, like, what type of guy is he? Because he had all this, you know, flack for the beginning of his career where, you know, like he was seen as a poor loser, the towel over his head and just a moody guy. And people thought because of, you know, all the dancing they saw and all this stuff that he was kind of, you know, just, you know, not a great person you would want in a locker room and he would tear it apart. I got here in 2015 and maybe because it was the Super Bowl year, but that guy couldn't have been a better person to cover just great in the locker room always looking out for the community doing great stuff for the kids great stuff for people in need always a smile on his face he was uh, you know he, you were just drawn to him he was so fun to cover I say in my career he was the most unique person mm -hmm. I've ever covered and the most fun to cover because you know we always look forward to Wednesday press conferences Cam Newton day and after a game we get to hear from Cam Newton because you didn't hear from him all the time but when it was his time to talk you knew it was just going to be gold, man. And he gave you gold every time he was at the mic. And he was just, you know, he was just a great guy. And I think people from the outside, you know, had this perception of him. And I wanted people to see that. And I'm so happy people in New England got to see, you know, just how good a guy he was. I know he wasn't yep. able to perform at that level on the field anymore just because of the shoulder wasn't the same and the foot. And he's, you know, he's been through the ringer. But that shouldn't take away from just what a great locker room guy he was, how great he was in the community, how interesting he is as a person and how open and honest he was about everything. And I think you got to see that, you know, like I heard from people in New England that even though he wasn't performing at the best, they loved covering him. They loved him in the locker room. And you got guys got to see that. And I'm so happy that someone outside of Carolina yeah. just got to see how great a person he is, man. He won the Media Good Guy Award, and I think it was yeah. deserving. Uh, you know, he was transparent. He was vulnerable at a, yeah. in a year where we were all vulnerable. Um, hey, Patriots, Panthers this weekend, you got a prediction? Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Panthers anymore. 
I mean, after that game when they played and lost to the Giants, I was like, what is this team? They start yeah. 3-0. You know, I'm like, oh, the defense looks great. You know, McCaffrey's banged up, but he's been banged up the last couple of years. But I was like, I think Sam Darnold's figured it out here. They got something. And then what happens every year with Carolina, they take this tailspin. Now, they took it early this year. Yeah. You know, normally they were starting like 4-2 and two and then losing 6-8 to eight straight. This year they decided to get it out the way early. Um, they're a team in flux, man. They they got to kind of figure out what their identity is, and I don't think they know what it is. I think they thought, you know, they had something better in Sam Darnold than they actually do. I think New England, from what I've seen, seems to be a team that's getting better week by week. It is a little more stable than Carolina, so I worry about them. I know they beat, like, you know, the Panthers beat Atlanta, but come on, man. I mean, <laughs> what are we talking about? Atlanta's struggling. Congrats to them on the World Series. But like, yeah, right. The Falcons haven't figured it out, so... I think New England's going to come into Charlotte and get a win over the Panthers. But the Panthers are such a difficult team to figure out. They look terrible for a couple of weeks, and then they look great. So, you know, I, I if I were New England fans, I wouldn't be too concerned about Carolina coming into this one. They're still waiting to see about McCaffrey. You know, they got some other guys banged up. But until Sam Darnold figures it out, man, they're not going to be a threat. <laughs> Well, it's going to be a fun Sunday for sports fans here on DEV. We got the uh, Steph Gilmore Bowl, the Patriots yeah, and the Panthers. So that's on Sunday. And we got the NASCAR Cup Championship race from Phoenix. We'll have that coverage for you 2 o'clock right here on DEV. Josh Sims, we appreciate the time, man, as always. Thanks, man. Good to catch up. And uh, go Panthers this weekend. Championship four. I'm not making any picks. Whoever wins, that's who I pick 